Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I am chatting with Jonathan Hughes about his film The Tumba, Derek Ukashuku about his film You're Not Home and Laura Kavanagh about her film The Radio, all of which will be screening at the Galway Film Flat. all so much for chatting with us we're looking forward to the Galway film fla it'll be nice to be able to meet up in person this year we're so happy yeah can't wait so thank you so much so I'm gonna go around and I'm just gonna ask everybody to um introduce yourselves and uh the name of your film if that's all right so if I can start with you Jonathan sure my name is Jonathan Hughes and I am the screenwriter for the short film La Tumba you're sure a grave, a real freshly dug grave, just like on the telly. Now, Paddy, is this like the time you said you found a bale of cocaine in the woods? Ah, Gary, that was an easy mistake to make. Cocaine could have been in that bag. Uh, yeah, well, most people would have opened the bag before they called us. That was one time. And the time the guns washed up on the shore of the lake? Look, this time is different. I have proof. So La Tumba is, is a kind of bittersweet comedy about a park ranger who comes across an elderly Spanish woman in the park one day standing next to a freshly dug grave and he thinks it's finally his time to be the guard he always wanted to be and he's going to solve the murder that's obviously just happened in the park. So he detains the woman and tries to crack the case despite their very obvious language barrier. And it's uh, like that as well. It is, it's bittersweet. There's there's loads of twists and turns. It's... Um, it, it, it's a lovely kind of fun, but also poignant piece. It's very sweet. It's got a, it's got a wee heart behind it, I think. <laughs> and uh, Laura? Yeah, I'm Laura Kavanagh. I'm director of the radio. Hello, Kathleen. Dad here. I'm just wondering how you're doing, darling. Um, so the radio was written by uh, Galway writer Thomas Conway and um, it is about a man who uses his radio um, as a way to kind of keep a foothold in his routine so is very dependent on it and when it breaks um, things you know kind of go off kilter for him um, and his daughter comes to visit and she figures out what's up and that the radio is broken um so it's it's a short about isolation and loneliness and communication or lack of that's a very interesting scheme as well because you did not come as a group automatically wasn't it that you guys were kind of paired up as part of a process that's right so this was um this short was funded uh pre-covid so basically i applied as a director um the producers applied independently and then there was three scripts that were um selected by Goway Film Centre at the time which is now Ardon so the so that the scheme involved us all coming together um and producers and directors kind of matching up through talking on the day really um so we didn't I had heard of Evan Horan, the, the producer because he works for Blinder who who I know and um so, so we decided to kind of join up and then we picked this script and then we pitched it along with um, the other teams. So, so yeah, it was an interesting process because we, we the writer, director and producer, none of us knew each other beforehand. Um, and we came together and 
um, we had a few weeks to kind of work on the pitch and then and then we're successful at the end. So so, yeah, it felt like that pitch was a long time ago because it was well before COVID. And, you know, interestingly, the short itself feels more like a COVID short film um, in, in the themes that it deals with. And it definitely in some ways the loneliness and isolation and um that we all felt during the during the pandemic definitely anyway for me like added to being able to to do the script justice it's just a beautiful um sort of very driven piece what drew you to that script and that scene actually yeah i mean i think i i was aware of the funding amount and um, very conscious of having, you know, limited kind of location. It's all in one house. Um, it's two actors. So so that really appealed to me. And also the simplicity of the story. I just felt it, it was, you know, there was no bells and whistles, but yet the emotion of it really came across. And without knowing the, the writer, I, I just felt, you know, I knew it was a personal story, which it was. And um and that's something that really appealed to me um and i i yeah i think that the writer gave a pitch and he he explained that it was about his own dad so i thought i was just really attracted to that side of it excellent and uh derek so my name is derek Guchiku. for those who might be listening i am the writer director of you're not home which is a horror short film set in direct provision I'm afraid that's not something I can do for you. Why not? Bit of advice. Don't rock the boat. Those that do end up at the bottom of the sea. I'm not spending another night in this hellhole. Um, the film was funded by the Engine Scheme as part of the uh, 2021 um, film in Limerick, uh, scheme to sort of help emerging writer directors to get their foot in the door in the midwest and it was produced by a carbonated comets um yeah so we shot in limerick and cast and everything um was good it was a good um a good experience Jonathan, I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about uh, how La Tumba was funded. What was that shot under? Yeah, um, so it's kind of a long story. La Tumba first started out, I wrote the first draft of it in 2018. Um, and it has probably been read by every single funding scheme in the country <laughs> in one form or another yes. at this stage. Yes. Um, so it, it kept getting knocked back and I was it was every year I was scraping off different ones that it, it didn't work out for. And then at the start of 2020, Natalie McCauley from Spotica sent me an email saying she had seen Mother at a festival and had really liked it um, and wanted to produce a short and wanted to read anything I was working on. Um, and I hit La Tumba and every time it got knocked back, the whatever producer or director I had attached, it would just kind of fizzle and they'd go off and do something else and I'd be left with the script. Um, and I really liked it. So I sent it to her and along with a few others that I was working on. Um, and she responded really well and she really liked it. Um, so we, again, we put it in for a load of things and it kept getting knocked back. And I think the last one that we finally tried for was the Dunleary Rathdown first frame scheme. Um, and they finally, they, they said yes. So we got the interview and we got 
Natasha Wad attached as director. She... And the three of us went in and did our interview with people from Dunleary Ratdown and the representative from IADT who was sitting on the board as well. Um, and through that interview, we, we, we got funded finally and got to make the film. That's brilliant. No, that's great. And it's a good story about the tenacity, like, you know, those projects that you really believe in keep going with them. Like it yeah. might be that one, right. but it might be for the next one. And you don't know, like, and it, it, it's kismet then when it comes together. There was something about it. I just, I couldn't really let go of it. I really liked it. And everyone that read it seemed to like it, but it just, it wasn't picking up any steam. So I just, I, know, I think I'm just really stubborn when it comes to things. Like I wanted to keep going and I kept pushing for it. It's like the theme of connection and um, changing your expectations of what you assume and like, like that. Well. Yeah. yeah, like I actually thought there was there was a lot of similar themes from yours that were in Laura's as well, like that kind of loneliness and mm-hmm. um, yeah, like that that issues around elderly and things like it was lovely. It's probably not like the cool theme. Like I'm like sometimes things are too in. Sometimes things yeah. like thing but you know like the for the funding schemes like you're you want to take a box can be like okay well this time we're gonna do we're all gonna talk about um like an issue or something like that so it definitely didn't sit in that way but it's lovely and it might have been a hard sell like it, it's led by a spanish woman and it was it was a hard role to cast and you can't really there was not going to be a name for half of the film attached to it so yeah. i kind of see it from their perspective as well but i'm glad that DLR kind of took a, a gamble with us because they think it paid off. Just actually now on the subject of casting, how did you how did you find an actual Spanish woman? Because it's difficult, like there's there's a lot of um there's a lot has to rest on her to carry as well, like subtext and humor and Yeah, I think I think in the interview for funding, we just we were adamant that we were gonna be able to find this. And then once we actually got the money, we started to panic a bit because it, it's a hard thing to find um so we did a really big open casting call and we approached like movie extras bodies and theater groups and then there was language schools and there was spanish community facebook pages and we just we could have blanketed every avenue we could and tried to get as many emails in as we we could find um and eloisa was one of the first people we actually got in who seemed to respond well to the script and liked the idea and she agreed to to read for us and sent us like a, a wee video and she was incredible from the first read so we were really lucky to find her um she's an actress and she's living in Galway at the minute she's yeah. originally from Spain and she she teaches Spanish through drama and she's a lot of drama experience but this was her first ever film so she was all excited to be on a film set and work with a camera and stuff so it, it was it was lovely for everyone brilliant and that's kind of nice as well to introduce her to that uh and like it in a in a new whole new realm like Irish films were even different than Spanish film like it's different yeah I think all of her experience was theatre stuff so this was her first time with a camera and she was all into it she wanted to know what everything everyone did and what everything was and it was just it was it was nice to see it to see it from someone else's perspective I think we all get a bit jaded from being on sets and it's another short and we're all standing in the woods and we're a bit cold and miserable but it was just it was nice to have someone fresh come in and see the excitement in filming. That's really nice. Sorry to cough there. 
Derek, can you tell me about like you have kind of two leads and there's a really uh, great dynamic between them and such good tension there. Can you tell me um, a little bit about how you found and work with your cast, actually, as a director as well? Okay, so initially, um, as part of the funding, we had to like we were sort of restricted to cast people from the Midwest. But it was a bit challenging to find, you know, our 15 year old protagonist who had to be. Uh, you know, spe- it was a specific casting and, you know, to, to, to the role of Ikenda, who was the protagonist. Um, so I put out a casting call on Fishburne because we had very little money and I, we had to do the casting ourselves. So an agent reached out to me saying she had this client who would be interested in um, auditioning for the role. And by then we've seen few people, but as soon as I saw Ashraf to me, he was self-tape. It was just an instant connection there I just felt like wow he, he, he just embodied the character uh, so after that we had to start looking for actors who would play the older brother to complement the younger brother a friend of mine recommended said um, oh wait there's this actor and so Sorrento agency check him out and then I did and you know Aaron Katambe who played Chima the older brother and it was just I got so lucky having both of them and that was yeah, they instantly connected once they got on set. And yeah, even it just felt right. It just felt felt good. And as a writer, director, you're in a kind of unique kind of way. You're you have a character in mind very, very strongly. Did that change a little bit um from your script to when you were casting or these guys disembody what you were looking for and then how did you get such good performances from them so yeah so when as soon as i, I just kind of pictured um the younger brother uh uh, uh ikena i pictured he would look similar to a 15 year old and some of the cast like some of the like ashraf was the one i saw who looked his in fact if anything he even sort of looked younger than his age and when he came on set I didn't even realize how tall he was because uh he was almost the same height as the brother uh but you know he, there was still a lot of um he brought that young uh, feeling to it and the young older brother played by Aaron just had this older vibe to it so that really worked out well yeah so Ashraf hadn't acted before um he this is his first time so uh, his audition was just, he's just a natural, but I had to sort of depend on the more professional actors on set to sort of guide him, but he didn't even need that much guidance because he just understood the genre. And I was just, you know, there to give him, you know, directions, other directions, just takes up the takes. Also knowing that, um, just knowing that each actor worked differently and to give him enough space to sort of, you know, rest, get himself together, not stress him out, not give him too many long hours. So we'll sort of shoot around and then come back to him. But like, he was just a professional on his own. So yeah, that, that was, that was, that was just Asher's doing. Like I, I, you know, he was just amazing for someone who had never acted before. I mean, I have to tell people, that look, he hasn't acted before for people to realize because he's just, yeah, he was just instantly um, driven. Yeah, because it's um, it's great. Like there's 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 so many layers to this. I think that it's such good writing. Um, Laura, what about yourself? So you had like a really lovely chemistry between your two leads. 
And I'm just wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about how you found that. Yeah. So Lawler Roddy, I've, I think is a brilliant actor and I've seen him in, in lots of things. And one, you know, role in particular that stood out for me um, was Ren Boys, which was um, uh, a film, a short film from, from a few years ago. Um, but um, so so I actually had him in mind after I, I read the script before we even got the funding. And when we came to do the pitch document, um, Evan, um, the producer, he he had similar thoughts because he had recently worked with Lawler and who's just a brilliant actor, um, a really amazing person. And, you know, he puts everything into every one of his his roles. So so um, we were really lucky, like, we had cast Lawler way before COVID and, you know, a long, long time later, like my biggest kind of fear was that Lawler would be busy, but he, he um, remained committed to the project and uh, he, he was available for it. Um, Angela, who plays um, Martin, who's the character in the film, plays his daughter, is a friend of mine who um, had done some amateur theatre before she's never um had never been to a set had never acted in front of a camera um she's in a completely different line of work but the story when I read it reminded me of her and her own story um so that's you know another kind of bringing it back to the kind of personal um and I just knew that with someone like Lawler who's so experienced and you know obviously it was a risk and, and Angela was um up for the challenge but very apprehensive as I would be um so we worked together and, and did some some you know tapes and recordings just kind of reading through the scripts and she just nailed it straight away and um uh and then when she came on set you know Lawler and her uh, spent some time together and made sure that they had enough time to kind of chat and and yeah that that was it really they didn't have any they'd never met each other before coming on on set and they didn't get to do a retweet together because I mean that's just kind of a, a luxury really with short film budgets but um well yeah it worked out really well um and uh, sorry it's a testament to you as a director to get that type of empathetic warm performance and chemistry capture that on the screen with someone who isn't that experienced yeah I mean I think you know when she arrived and and uh, with all of the cameras and all of the crew and the hectic nature of the set I mean the same Jonathan when you're talking about working with the, the Spanish actor like you kind of forget when you're in the middle in the thick of it and what all these people do so so I I did make sure to kind of just let her know who everyone was introduce her to everyone you know just make her feel comfortable and um yeah, and, and we spoke a lot beforehand in between our kids are the same age. We actually were in Mayo and holidays together and we're trying to <laughs> we were trying to uh, in between trips to the beach, trying to record like little self tapes and chat about the script. So. So, yeah, it felt rushed, to be honest, but we could have spent a lot more time. <laughs> I know that's it. I always I always think that like there's always more that you can get you could pick up and. Like there's there's always not enough time really for for things. It's such a hectic yeah. thing you're trying to capture, like, and especially when you're capturing something so slow and 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 meditative. See, I, I can't say words today, yeah. but like that as well. And then and then it's and like then it's like cut. Ah, everyone, run yeah. Makeup. I mean, I think 
like a massive note that I had to myself that I kept having to remind myself was to just stop and let the scene happen. And especially, you know, for for Lawler, like with the the kind of themes and dealing, you know, thinking about um, the situation that this character was in and to just kind of, you know, try and make sure that we had a quiet set and the space to be able to do that. And for me not to keep going, cut, right, move on, you know, it's to, to really like take a breath and just stick with it. Even if it felt like we were overindulging, but there's definitely, you know, scenes in there where, where um, the actor is just kind of staring into space and your instinct is to go, right, cut, move on. <laughs> but to to let to let it breathe really and let it be that was one of the biggest challenges so actually that's that's a kind of nice thing is to yeah to get those beats in there and get the structure in there and that implied um yeah. all process and, and and have it be visual on screen I just want to go back to um the scripts actually at the moment so obviously Jonathan you're a writer and you're doing some very interesting stuff at the moment are you going to the BBC I, nice I, I might be um I have an interview with them in a couple of weeks so fingers crossed I get through the next round and get onto this writers academy scheme that they have that um, amazing yeah it'll be it'll be nice I've never gotten this far in the application before so I'm all excited that's fabulous well done like that's really exciting so congratulations I just I just Thank seen you. that and I'm like we'll give you a, a, a good <laughs> shout out because you can get into that stage like it's damn competitive like yeah, I, I think I'm in the top 50 out of about 2,000 people that applied for this round. So I feel it's nice. And they're not slouches either. Like they're top level people that are that go for this all the time. So that's yeah. nice. like it's a nice nod to know that you're in the top 50. Um, no, anyway, but I just want to talk to you about the script, actually. How do you kind of develop your ideas? Do they come to you as an inspiration? Do they come fully formed? Do you have a little list that you're always adding to? I I have my the notes app on my iPhone is full of all of these like half a sentence ideas for short films that have occurred to me, usually really late at night, and you just have to type it and go to sleep. Um but yeah, but there's some scripts that just kind of arrive a bit more fully formed. Um, I think Mother was one of those scripts I sat down at my desk and I just wrote the entire breakdown. It all just poured out of me. And La Tumba was a bit like that as well. The first draft of La Tumba, even though it was four years ago, is basically the same as what became the shooting script. Um, I'm not sure what it was. It was I have a weird obsession with Spanish cinema and um, I love the work of Pedro Almodovar and I kept thinking what would happen if you tried to make a, an Almodovar movie in Ireland and I think this is what poured out um and I remember Peter McGann on the set of it was trying to describe it to, to Eloisa between takes and he described it as Almodovar meets Father Ted and I think <laughs> that's exactly perfect. what I was going for and yeah, yeah it, it sums it up pretty well um yeah yeah and Laura just could you tell me a little bit about um like that like your process when you get a script what do you like to do to break it down what do you like to do to process it and do you work on your own ideas as well yeah I mean with the script um because you know in some ways we ha- we have the luxury of time um from from when we first knew that we had the funding to when the film was made um myself and the writer were able to you know chat a lot about it I think we 
we changed some of the there were scenes that were introduced um as a result of talking about how to show the passage of time i mean i think that's sometimes when you start to break down a script you know thinking about the time of day um you know how do we get him from kind of his breakfast in the morning to at night without feeling rushed or without you know feeling off and just all of those kind of details that um you know on a page when you read a script, a script and it feels more like a short story um the practicality of adapting that then um come, comes into play so so that the bathroom scenes actually in in the radio were something that were added um after we discussed you know how, how to do that and, and to maybe bring in a different um location in the house just to make it more visually interesting and to also show kind of a vulnerability with the actor as well um and something that that I really liked about the script was that there were uh, kind of similar things that happened, but, um, you know, the breakfast with the radio and then without the radio and him going to bed with and without. So, you know, it's, it's nothing too kind of obvious, but just to show those subtle differences and, and um, yeah. So, so I, like I, I write and I love working with writers and scripts. My background you know, I started late in film um, and uh, I worked with writers a lot in script development and I would have done a lot of script development courses in the UK to, to you know, learn about how to kind of um, to give writers notes without impressing your opinion, you know, to, to make writers to get to give notes in a way that that um, writers tell the story they want to tell as opposed to imposing what you think it should be. So, um so yeah, and then in terms of my own writing work, um, similar to Jonathan, I have notes in my phone, and sometimes I completely forget that I've written um, <laughs> I've written short scripts, and they're filed somewhere away, and I and I remember that I have them, and and they come back to me. Um, but I've also kind of dabbled in writing some TV pitches lately, and and um, and have you know, two pilot scripts that I've, that I've written. Um, so yeah, like I love writing, but I also love collaborating and love working with writers. And I think, um, I definitely, you know, enjoy that process of kind of bouncing ideas off somebody else. I think it's, you know, it, it can be a, a lonely place and you, and you don't know, you know, I just always think, oh, this is a load of rubbish what I've written. Whereas if you're writing with someone, I just find it much easier. And what about you, Derek? Can you tell me a bit about uh, how you came up with the idea, the writing process? You were saying it's the scheme. Would you have developed it under that scheme or did it come fully formed to you? We, I initially wrote the script thinking I was going to put it into Spin Island uh, because I had it to be a bigger budget. Um, but then, you know, I, I just kind of like, Spin Island didn't happen that year. So I felt like, okay, I have this script now. Let me just put it in somewhere. And then the engine scheme came up. But prior to that, the idea came from, it, the idea came to me in 2020 when I saw uh, a picture of uh, an asylum seeker in 2020 who was um, having this skin infection from the mold uh, in his room. And because of the lockdown and, you know, the treatments, he couldn't, they couldn't relocate him to a new center. So that, for me, there was this outrage on Instagram. And that, for me, was just like a horrifying story to see. And this, the thing just spread all over his body. So that picture just became my talisman to want to tell this story and to embody the nightmare that, you know, 
as a creative light to shine on the ongoing campaign to end direct provision in Ireland. So that was how the idea came around to me. And I wrote, I, I began writing an outline for it and wrote a first draft. And after like maybe two drafts, I sent it out to friends to read. And the feedback I was getting was more like maybe it would be more interesting if the younger brother was the protagonist because I had it as the older brother being a protagonist. And that struck a very interesting uh, aspect for me because now seeing the thing from a younger person's, um, from a child's, uh, more like a young teen's experience, I felt like that was more horrifying. So yeah, so I submitted it to the scheme and I got a professional editor on board, Brian McGill, and then we worked from there and got it into shape for shooting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very powerful um, film and you just, you're struck by the actual horror of the situation so much more. Like you're like, oh yeah, this is exactly the type of stuff that's, that does happen. And it's not even that far of a stretch, you know, like The Handmaid's Tale. It's like, okay, it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's not even that far of a stretch where it's like... But now it's beginning to happen. Like we're seeing realities of The Handmaid's Tale now, you know, with what's going on, you know, in America, so... Sometimes, you know, when when fiction starts matching reality, it, you know, it gets scary. And that's the that's the social issues that we see in these days, you know. So and and actually that's one thing that I thought about this that worked so well is it it did it right. And you know, like you know it's okay, well, this is completely an issues, a social issues film. Um but you don't feel like it's so uncliche. <laughs> You're like, oh wow, I do not feel like I'm taught something. <laughs> you really tricked me. <laughs> you know, I think I'm watching this brilliant horror film, but then I come out of it and I'm like, okay, I <laughs> my mind has been changed. So, <laughs> I mean, but that is that is what okay. good writing does. Like, you. you know, it, it uses story to tell truth and even that that genre. So it works really well. Thank you so much. In the creative process how do you like how do you pick the people that you work with so like Jonathan you've you've been with a great team before like I know this is you've worked with Natasha before as well yeah um I I, working as a writer where you're not directing your stuff I think it's all about trust and if you have those people that you can turn to time and again and Natasha Wah is a very very good friend of mine at this stage and Every time I finish a project, no matter if she's attached or not, I send it to her and get her opinion. And I just, I trust her implicitly. Um, and Mother was such a, a lovely collaborative experience. So we had a really similar viewpoint on what we wanted from the project. And she took the script and in her head, she saw it very, very similar to how I did. And I thought that that was, you know, a, a really good match. And it was the same on this. And, and you know, and... Mother is like brilliant. It's it's difficult to direct in a way like when your main character is a fridge (laughs) your main antagonist but like it's done really well like it's written brilliantly but I was like I can imagine that's but it can go very wrong very fast um and even because mother was made under the same Galway Film Centre scheme that the radio was made um so me and Natasha and Sharon all applied separately and mine was one of the shortlisted scripts and there was a short list of directors and they were all pitching their version of Mother. Um, and I've heard from one or two different directors who didn't get picked um, that they were trying to pitch my script for the scheme and hearing their pitches and just how different they were. And not that they were worse or better, but they're just how, it's not how I saw the script, but it's how they saw it and that's how they wanted to do it. Um, 
but then I heard Natasha's vision for it and it aligned so much with mine. It was like, okay, then I think the right person came for that script. And ever since, so when La Tumba finally came around again and Natalie from Spotica wanted to get it made, I knew Natasha was the person I wanted on board. And if she was free, I wanted her to, to bring all of her skills to it because she's such a, she's a brilliant director and she's great with actors and she has such a clear voice as the director. And I think it, it blends well with, my dialogue and with the stuff I write on the page. So and like that all... she can handle heavier themes, but she yeah. always knows her humor so well. And and like that, I think the beats are so important for emphasize, emphasizing that humor. Like mm-hmm. the timing is everything. And I like even with the organic relationship between your two leads and and you know, like the pauses and the back and forth and the language, like it's 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 maximized. Like you can you can really get it like yeah, I think because it, it's not just straight up comedy, but it's not like this drama either. It's it's a weird balance between the two and it's all about um the bits of comedy and then the slower bits and letting that build and so that was really important to me as a writer that that was going to be maintained and that was exactly what Natasha saw when she read it the first time. So um, like she, she's, she's just, she's great. Everyone should work with Natasha. I love yeah. Natasha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus, we were selling her. <laughs> sure, we yeah. work with her all the time. She she is brilliant. Exactly. And she makes me sourdough bread on, on Instagram. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Uh, Laura, what about you? Um, yeah, in terms of collaborating with other people, I mean, I think, you know, like with the with the writer that I hadn't met before and, and I'd only met that day. Um, you know, you could tell from the script that it's very genuine kind of story. And um and yeah, and he was open to kind of clap to collaborating. And I just and- think that's really important. And you know, the the script is always your the the kind of starting point. And you can you can tell a lot from a writer, I think, from from the tone of what they're writing and and the style in which they're writing. Um, and you know, I, I had written my own short um, previously, my debut short, No Place. So I know how hard it is to kind of put yourself out there and uh, and you know and be open to kind of constructive um, notes that are going to help with the script. But also, he was also you know really clear on on you know the the on what he wanted to keep in and what was really important to him so yeah so for me in terms of of working with people it's open to collaboration really I think and and keeping focused on on the the main goal and and as well with with Evan the director you know he was really into the script as well and just kind of trying to do everything possible to to make it happen um and just to mention as well the DOP Evan Barry he um we approached him quite early on as well. Just, I had, you know, seen some of his previous work and um, after chatting to him, he, he was uh, really loved the script and he actually came on board like right when we got the funding as well. So during COVID we had these conversations, which I think were hugely beneficial for me in terms of, um, you know, learning about his process and how he works. And we put, together you know um pinterest boards of different photographers that we liked and the different style and and look and and grade um and that you know 
that I absolutely loved those conversations. I felt like, right, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and it was a great, you know, distraction uh, from what was going on as well. So he was super generous with his time. And I was really delighted that it all worked out, that everyone that had committed to it from the off was, was still available. However, I think it was like over a year and a half later by the time we got to make it last August. So, um, so yeah, collaboration, definitely. Uh, and yet, no place is beautiful, actually. I was just, I just give it a quick look up there when we were talking. I was like, I knew I knew it. It was, I got it at the Galway Film Fa, or not the Galway Film Fa, I got it at the WIFT Showcase. And That's right, it yeah. Beautiful. It was just really poignant, but told so well. And the moment, the, the dollhouse, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. So that was made, uh, the story behind that is basically that, um, you know, I I had decided that I wanted to to give writing a shot, and it was inspired by um, a story that I I had heard of of um, a family in in Ireland actually, and then had listened to so many, you know, radio documentaries at that time, and still, you know, that the housing crisis is still very much um, happening at the moment. But um, it that short was really um, written for me to prove that I could do it myself, and. Uh, um, I took out a loan to make it, so it was made for four four grand, and um, everybody that worked on it was paid oh. as well. It's something that's really important to me. You know, having come to the industry quite late, um, was that everyone that was involved got paid. You know, it might never see the light of day, so I was really aware of making sure that nobody was um, put out of pocket to make it. So, um, so yeah, so I was really really surprised that it it got into all of the festivals that it did and just kind of gave me the confidence then to keep going and um to to write more and and apply for this scheme so yeah yeah like and it's beautiful it's really really polished like it's a it's and it's again that it's very uh like it's heartbreaking but you you are a very strong writer you just take these kind of day you you interact with the subject matter in that very natural way I thought the way the daughter like it's like the gleaming details worked really well for me you know like their day-to-day life how difficult it was eating finding food and stuff and the mother doing the best to make it really natural and normal but like that like it it just felt very kind of truthful and 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 really well done oh great thank you I mean I think you know with anything it's about trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes even though you know your life might be very different but just trying to really think about every aspect of what that would entail if you found yourself you know in temporary accommodation and and had to look after your kids and I just think you know I spent a lot of time kind of talking to people and and doing research and and listening to stories um and just kind of you know took took aspects of that and, and put it into it and also the the actor that I worked with Michelle McMahon she's a she's a friend of mine a former flatmate so you know again we spent we actually spent a lot of time um in parks reading through the script talking about it you know she's absolutely brilliant and uh she she just brought so much and gave her heart and soul to the role, you know. And again, she um, has a huge amount of work in front of the camera, but um, she she really she really nailed it as well. And Derek, what about you? Can you just tell me a little bit about your creative partnerships? So you know, finding the producer, working with a script editor, um, you know, your heads of department. Like, how do you kind of cultivate? How do you find people to work with and cultivate those relationships? 
Um, so as part of this game, we had to choose um, producers from the Midwest. So uh, the time carbonated, I knew carbonated production, carbonated comments from a uh, director that worked with before and I've seen a film they've done and I was very impressed by, uh, by, by the short films. And so when I had the opportunity to work with just, you know, producers from the Midwest, I, that I went with them and I worked with Greg Burroughs as the, as a producer. So we, that was the first person to come on board and then we started working our way. So we were very, very lucky to have the people, the, the HODs that we had, because, you know, we were working on a very shoestring budget. So a lot of people came on board just based on interest in the story, you know, they read the script, they were captivated by the idea and, you know, the concept of this mode being the antagonist in the story so that was what um that was what drew a lot of our you know and we had amazing we had neil we had fergo lola from um the cranberries he did a, amazing work in the music we had evan barry as our dop james donnelly as our production designer louis sheridan as our vfx makeup artist she did incredible work and we had uh Patrick Callum O'Brien as our VFX uh, supervisor on set. So all of these people and many more uh, people, even in the post-production side of things, elements doing our, I mean, elements post doing our color, color grading and hit a DOP on DCP. Yeah, so it, it took a whole village and uh, a whole very understanding, <laughs> compassionate, friendly village because, you know, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't pay everyone as much as we wanted. So I'm very grateful for all the collaborative process that we had to get this film to the finish line. Yeah. Um, the special effects that, and it really worked like that with the sound mix, but I, I think it is such a big part of that kind of um, conceptual horror. Like it just sat so well theme-wise as well with the, the way that it did. It was, it was beautiful to watch. I'm kind of raging I didn't watch it on the big screen. Like, I was like, this one looks so much better. Um, so can you tell me, when can we see it on the big screen? When will it be in uh, Galway? Okay, so you can see You're Not Home in Galway on July 8th, 12pm, uh, and July 9th uh, at 10pm. So we're screening twice at the festival, and we are so excited and can't wait. <laughs> two sets of eyeballs that's brilliant like that's great to get that many people like the more people industry people that get eyeballs on that the better as well thank you thank you we're so happy jonathan when can we see your lovely film at the galway film flow um so la chamba is screening as part of new shorts four on the thursday at 12 o'clock and you'll be celebrating in the rowing club afterwards i presume the thursday i want to congratulate you (laughs) Uh, snap so mine's in the same program so uh i think it's either 12 or 12 15 on on the thursday um in the town hall theater so yes see you there so thanks so much for chatting with us and you can get those tickets at galwayfilmflat.com